All right. Well, welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. We continue on in our study through the book of Acts. We find ourselves on this podcast at Acts chapter 14. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up to Acts 14. We finished up with uh, chapter 13 on our last podcast, and we saw that Paul and Barnabas have now been kicked out of Antioch. The Jews in Antioch were contradicting and blaspheming the things that Paul and Barnabas were teaching there about Jesus the Christ. And they had also stirred up persecution against them. But the Gentiles, on the other hand, were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. So now Paul and Barnabas have left the area. And we'll go ahead and pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 14. It says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude of both Jews and the Gentiles believed. So here again, we see the Holy Spirit doing His work through Paul and Barnabas. A great multitude came to believe in Jesus at Iconium. And verse 2 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. You know, we see this kind of thing throughout the whole book of Acts. The Holy Spirit does a work in the hearts of people, and Satan comes along to try and steal it away. You know, Jesus said in John 10.10, that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So here we see a group of people whose minds were being poisoned and, and by the Jews who were trying to keep them from coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you know, if you're out there, and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, or or maybe the Lord is starting to work on your heart, beware, because Satan will come and try, and he'll creep in, and he'll try and steal that good work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, and he'll stop at nothing to distract you from growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've seen as we've studied through the book of Acts, you know, especially here with Paul and Barnabas, man, they'll follow after these guys to see where they're preaching next so they can go ahead and destroy what they're doing. And that's the work of the devil. He does not want you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ because then you'll be free. You'll be free from the law of sin and death. You'll, you'll have abundant life that Jesus promised to you, this internal peace within your heart. This joy that no matter your circumstances, and and we do have tribulation in this world. We do have trials. We do have problems. But we can be of good cheer. Why? Because of Jesus. Because Jesus has overcome. So verse 3 goes on to say, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So we see here that verse 3 starts with the word therefore. And the reason that that word is there is because of verse 2. You see, that group of people that were trying to poison the minds of those that had come to faith in Jesus Christ... Well, 
something needed to be done about that. So Paul and Barnabas and, and, and the rest of the brethren stayed in town for a while to get the people rooted and grounded in the word of the Lord. And you see, it's very important that when someone first comes to Christ, that they get rooted and grounded in the word of his grace, as it says there in verse 3. Because otherwise, they may get swept away with a false doctrine. And even after you've been saved for years and years, you still need the word of God. We still need to be studying it, rooted and grounded in it, and, and walking according to the Word of God daily in our lives. Let's turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse, uh, we'll start in verse 10. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, okay? Hopefully you're there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice that. What are we to be strong in? We're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not in the power of our own might, not in what we can do, what we can handle, but in the power of the Lord. And we are, verse 11 says, we're to put on the whole armor of God. For what reason? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, the enemy does come. He does attack. He tries to poison your mind and take you away from the things of Christ. But remember what he comes for, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus has come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But we do have an enemy. He does exist. And look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, there's where it is. It's a spiritual battle. It's not always a physical thing, the trials, the tribulations that we go through. It's something that often comes from someplace we don't even see. It's, it's a spiritual thing. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It may be flesh and blood that's attacking us in some cases, but we're wrestling, we're wrestling against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. The spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is a spirit realm out there. And Satan wants to come and deceive you and keep you from, keep you thinking on anything but the Holy Spirit and what he has for you. But what do we do about it? Well, verse 13 of Ephesians 6 tells us what we are to do about it. Take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, 
taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's the offensive weapon right there. Everything else we just went through is pretty much a defensive weapon or, you know, just something to protect us. But here we see the the sword of the spirit, which is what? the word of God. So when we need to do spiritual battle in our lives, when the enemy is attacking us in our minds, attacking us within and coming against us with thoughts that maybe are poisoning our minds, we need to be in the word of God. And verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So not only praying for ourselves, but praying for the saints, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are out there ministering the gospel to others. We need to be uh, praying for them as well. And back in Acts chapter 14 now, go ahead and turn back there. They're preaching Jesus, right? But just like it is today, some will believe and some will not. Verse 4, look at verse 4. It says, but the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. Wow. Part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. There was a division that took place there. And notice that, uh, notice that uh, the word apostles there, there's a plurality to that. Paul was not the last apostle. Barnabas was an apostle too. Verse 5 says, And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and to the surrounding region. So here we go again. They're being chased out of town again. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever stepped out to do a work for the Lord and Satan comes along and maybe stirs up jealousy or or envy in the heart of someone else or even gossip and you get attacked and you have to move on? You have to move on to something else. Okay, well, that's just as long as you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Don't fear what man can do. Just move on. Sometimes you'll step out and you'll share your faith with somebody, maybe a family member, and they'll just beat you down and laugh at you or or whoever it may be. But you need to press on by faith, knowing that persecution does come when you're walking by faith in the Lord and you're naming his name. But the good news about that kind of thing is that the gospel ends up being preached somewhere else. You know, when you get when you're you get attacked for for preaching the, the the name of the Lord, and then the Lord moves you on someplace else or something else, or opens a new door of ministry for you. That's a good thing. Look at verse seven, and they were preaching the gospel there. So they got chased out of one place. They went somewhere else and preached the gospel. What was the good news for that? Well, the good news was 
is that someone else heard the gospel in some place maybe where they wouldn't have gone had their persecution not come. You know, this happened to me once before. For about a five-year period of time, I would go every summer to a youth camp and, and minister with a group of youth. One year, Satan stirred up jealousy in someone's heart, and that man made a complaint saying that I shouldn't come to the camp this particular year. So instead, I went to another city in California, and I preached the gospel in a park to about 20 high school kids. Sixteen of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ. You know, that's all glory to God right there. Because had that persecution not come in my life, I'd have just done what I've been doing for all the other years, went to this youth camp and preached the gospel or, you know, taught them. You know, it was just a routine of of what I did every year to go and, and, you know, minister to a group of kids there in any way I could. But had this persecution not come, I never would have went to this city in California and preached the gospel to these 20 high school kids and see 16 of them give their lives to Jesus Christ. You know, are we willing to suffer persecution if it means the gospel will be spread? The work of the Holy Spirit began on the day of Pentecost, and that work continues on today. But right along with that work is the work of the enemy. And he is cunningly creeping in and attempting to stop the work of the Holy Spirit. But the word of the Lord is powerful and it accomplishes what it sets out to do. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus and you say, I'll serve you, Lord, anywhere and in any way you want me to and you step out and you begin to do it, sure, persecution may come, but the Word of God will accomplish what it sets out to do. And maybe God will just move you on to something different, someplace new. Praise be to His holy name. We must study the Word of God, we must live the Word of God, and we must teach the Word of God to others. Look at verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Wow. You know, all these signs and wonders were promised by Jesus. Let's let's turn there and look at that. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 16, okay? Toward the front of your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, we're going to look at Mark 16. Give you just a few seconds to get there. Mark 16, and uh, let's start reading in verse 15, Okay. It says, and he said to them, this is Jesus, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
So as we study through the book of Acts and we see all of these signs and wonders taking place, these are the things that Jesus said would happen. Okay, so let's go ahead and flip back to Acts chapter 14. And we'll pick it up in verse 11. Okay. Now, when the people saw that Paul, or excuse me, now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. So, as we've studied thus far through the, through the book of Acts, we've seen where miracles have taken place, and then people came to salvation right after the miracle. But now we see something different happening. And because the people were speaking in the Lycaonian language, Paul and Barnabas had no clue of what was going on. It wasn't until they saw that the people were going to sacrifice that they realized that they were worshiping them as gods. Look at verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Wow. How many fall into this trap today of putting themselves above everyone else? Barnabas and Paul did not do this. They pointed out the fact that they were just men and that the people of Lystra should turn to the living God. And I really caution you out there. If you're in a church where that pastor has put himself in a position as the authority and above everyone else and he hears from God and you hear from him, you need to, you need to be cautioned here because he's just a man able to fall. And Paul and Barnabas point this out. We've seen Peter point this out when Cornelius bowed down to worship him. He said, I'm just a man, get up. And here we see the same thing taking place. And they also, they, they also point out to them that these oxen and, and garlands that they were bringing to sacrifice were useless things. You know, the things we hold in high esteem in this world are worthless. God doesn't require sacrifice. He requires obedience. He wants us to be people that are walking by faith in Jesus Christ alone. No one else. And we are to not to have our hearts set on any other thing. And we are not to lift up man into a position above us. We can go directly to God. When Jesus died on that cross, that veil was torn, and we have direct access to the throne of God by His grace. Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse 16. It says, Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. 
Notice there that it says that God allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. He didn't tell them to do it. He told them to walk in his ways, but he didn't force it on them. Nor does he force his will on us today. We have a choice to serve the living God or to create our own God that fits in a box that we like. Think about that. Because many people ask the question today, well, if God is God, then why is this happening? Or why is that happening? How could have God of love allowed this to happen or that to happen? That's the choice of man. We have the opportunity to turn to the living God and to serve him with our hearts, with our whole lives. But man instead chooses to create their own way to God their own little religion, their own way of life. And you know, everyone serves some kind of God, but there's only one true and living God. And he is evident throughout all creation. Why do you think Satan wants to debunk creation? Oh, all of this just happened. This was, we're all just here as a result of evolution. Because if he can get you to believe that lie, which by the way, he is the father of all lies, then he gets your eyes off of the God of all creation. And if he can get your eyes off of the God of all creation, then you're never going to know of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Look at verse 17. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You know, we really do need to have thankful hearts for all that God has done for us. The apostles, Barnabas and Paul, are trying to get the eyes of these people off of them and onto God. But these people are so whacked out by their false gods that they just keep wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas. Look at verse 18. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. So it was a close call. But... It seems as if they were able to restrain them from worshiping them. But here again, we see that Satan is at work. He was blinding the eyes of these people from the true and the living God. And now the Jews that had persecuted Barnabas and Paul and Antioch have tracked them down. They're back again. Look at verse 19. It says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. This is amazing, huh? One minute, the people of Lystra are worshiping Paul and Barnabas, and then all of a sudden, they're persuaded to stone him in an attempt to kill him. (laughs) People are fickle, aren't we? Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and he went into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So they had stoned Paul, they left him for dead. But as I look at this from a spiritual standpoint, just a a little analogy for you to think of here, I see that the disciples 
gather, they're, they're gathered around Paul and, and he rose up. And you know, this is the way the body of Christ should work. If someone is down and out, we as the body need to gather around them and minister to them. My wife and I have seen this in our own ministry. We've been beat down and persecuted for doing the work of the Lord, but we have seen the body of Christ gather around us and minister to our needs, and that has given us the strength to carry on and to continue to teach God's Word and reach out in love to others. The Bible doesn't tell us here that the disciples It doesn't tell us, excuse me, what they did as they gathered around Paul. Did they lay hands on him and pray? We don't know. We would assume they did, but the Bible doesn't really say, so we can't say either. But verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So after being persecuted, they took off and they preached the word in Derby, and then they went right back to the cities where they were persecuted. But they had to go back to encourage those that had come to faith in Jesus Christ, because it tells us so here in verse 22. It says that they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, Enter the kingdom of God. Wow. You know, you don't see that verse right there in too many Bible promise books, do you? We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. As disciples of Jesus, we must realize that this life is not about health and wealth. If you're going to stand and proclaim the word of God, there will be tribulation. Jesus told us that there would be tribulation, but we can be of good cheer. Why? We talked about this earlier. Because he has overcome, right? Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in the things of this world. We must look unto Jesus as it says in Hebrews 12 too, for he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Verse 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord to whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now, when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Okay, so now they're back in their home church in Antioch. And the people there commended them for the work that they had done. But this wasn't the end for Paul and Barnabas. The Lord still has more for them to do for his kingdom. And we'll see that as we go into chapter 15 next time. But here's something for us to think about. Paul and Barnabas have been confronted by a sorcerer. John Mark has quit the ministry and left them. They have been driven out of a few different cities. 
They have been worshipped by the people of Lystra and then beaten and stoned by the same people. But they continue on in the work of the Lord. And what was it that gave them the power to persevere? It was the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them. And just as we've seen throughout this whole study of the book of Acts, we too need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. And remember this, if God be for us, who can be against us? God bless and thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next podcast.